Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT. In each episode, we bring you the perspectives of a group of IT luminaries on a variety of technical topics. And we try to limit them to a premise or a topic, if you will, so that we stay very focused. I'd like to take a moment to introduce our guests today before we jump into the premise, starting with Steve. Hi, I'm Steve Paluca. I've been in IT since the mid-80s, recently retired from a regional service provider in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and can be found on LinkedIn under my real name and on Twitter, my first initial last name, S. Paluca. All right, Charles. Hi, I'm Charles Dunese. I'm an undergraduate. You can find me on Twitter as network underscore Charles and on LinkedIn as Charles Dunese. Um, in a research projects where um, we're measuring the internet for like ISPs in Nigeria. All right, and John. Hi, John Osmond. I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Been pushing packets around the hinterlands here for 25 years or so. If you're trying to get a hold of me, email probably works best, john at osmond.net, or you can actually get a Twitter handle. It's at John Osmond, but um, I don't know when I'll see it. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us today. So let's jump into the premise for this episode. Now, we have a group of people here who are focused on service provider networking, and uh, that means we're going to be talking about a little bit of that stuff behind the scenes. Now, you're probably familiar with this big push that we've had in automation recently, where enterprises are fascinated by the idea that you can have scripts and things that will basically do your job for you. And I would argue that they're a little late to the game because that kind of high level automation of tasks and effective force multiplication is something that the service provider space has been living with for a number of years. And it's so ingrained into the way that service providers operate that I would even go so far as to say that service providers are leading the way in network automation. Now, I'm an enterprise networking guy. I grew up, that's where I cut my teeth. Uh, BGP is a big, scary three-letter acronym for me. So I actually want to take a moment to kind of open this up to our guests here. What are some of the ways that you can see that we've been leading the way with from the service provider space when it comes to network automation? Because, you know, as far as I'm concerned in the enterprise space, network automation only really started happening about three, four years ago. It's this brand new, big, exciting thing. So I would say the, the major difference I see between the service provider space and the enterprise space is the, in the service provider space, the network is the product. You know, it's not an expense to be managed. It's not something on the side that supports the main mission of the, of the company. It is the product that, that people are paying for. And because of that, it changes more frequently and, uh, and it is, rapidly expanding in, um, in many cases as well. So those combination of things lead you to doing the same things over and over again, which leads to naturally wanting to automate those things so that they're consistent, reliable, and performant. Another piece that I run into often with the service provider side is the idea that you know people are worried about a particular application when from the service provider standpoint, applications in, well, from that standpoint, any host sitting on the edge someplace is just a noisemaker. And our job is to make sure whatever noise it's, it's transmitting gets to its end point. And so our job is to, you know, get something in on the edge and squirt it out to the other edge as fast as possible. And the way you do those types of things is, you know, you build the same thing over and over again. And that's the type of thing that lends itself to 
automation and to templating and things of that nature. So I actually, I, that brings up a good point because effectively, I mean, Steve kind of alluded to it. Maybe your network is a little bit different when you're, when you're running a backbone or, or some kind of an interconnect, but isn't the goal of any network to send a packet in one side and have it come out the other? Like, like what took so long for enterprises to latch onto this idea? Is it the fact that enterprise networking is a lot less stable than service provider networking? I wouldn't use the word stable. Um, I would say the rate of change and the and the the need of repeatability. One of the things that's distinct in a um, in a service provider network is we have hundreds and or thousands of customers that are buying um, things continuously, and so you're expanding your your node count and you're building your product. You know, you have your your suite of a dozen things that you're selling and you're cookie cutter and building it all the time, every day, every week. Where in the enterprise side, you're much more likely to deploy that major network in the data center once, you know. And so, you know, you, you sit down and you think, uh, do I want to automate this? Well, you know, how much can I save? You know, if it's a big enough data center, yeah, then maybe you're going to, you're going to step in and do some automation. But after, after the end of that project in six months, you're never going to, touch it again. So, you know, there's a, there's that curve where you have to figure out how much labor is it worth putting into the automation that it is actually less time than just sitting at the CLI and doing it your damn self. The other piece I run into that I think is changing over the last particular last decade or so is that service provider networks have always been um, of a type where an end or an edge, an edge device would have more than one customer on it. In an enterprise world, those customers might be engineering and accounting. And in reality, if somebody at accounting's, if their machine goes nuts and starts burying the network in too much traffic, then the enterprise people are upset. But the, you know, the, maybe the engineering people get knocked offline. But in the enterprise world, it has always been a more matter of, oh, we need to go fix that. And in the, in the, in the service provider world, it's always been, oh, my God, one of my customers just knocked my other customer off. Now I've got two sets of revenue that I'm in, you know, I'm in jeopardy of. How do I fix that? How do I, how do I, how do I make sure that they're um, separate from each other? And the easiest way to do that is, you know, again, making sure the templating, making sure the automation and all of those pieces are, are just smack on every time. I'd say that's probably a fair guess. And one of those reasons, of course, is because even though as enterprise IT, our internal customers, if you want to use that word, are the various departments, there's also not really a whole lot of money changing hands when you know there's an outage. Whereas with an SLA that is attached to a specific link, if I don't provide 99.99% uptime to that link, I'm going to be charged back for the outage window or, or what have you, or I'm just going to lose the business. So I think that there's there's a little bit of value in that. But I, I'm also really curious as to, in that case, you know, the, the static nature of that network obviously means that we're very, you know, critical about uptime and making sure that there's no outages or anything that can impact that. But at the same time, as someone who's been talking to a lot of networking engineers for a number of years, they are extremely worried about the ability of automation to do stupid things much faster than they ever could. Like, oh, I'm just going to click go on the script and why are all of the nodes starting to go down? And I mean, 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it still happens. Just ask anyone who works at Rogers Communications because they had a huge problem not that long ago as of the recording of this podcast. So why is it that enterprises not only were slow to adopt it, but have been so wary to trust it? Well, you, 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 you did hit the, the, the downside of, of, of automation. I mean, the, of course, the, you know, the, the plithy little statement there is to, you know, to fail at scale is automation. Um, you know, because when you, when you do, do that script, you got to make sure that it is doing only what you want it to do and not, um, you know, doing a negative thing on hundreds of devices at the, at the same time. And so part of that is, is of course, you know, having a reasonable lab that, um, that you can test things in and a rollout process that does things in a, um, and an, uh, an out of band network in the, in, in enough of the key areas that you don't, you know, completely cut yourself off on a, on a widespread network. I mean, uh, in your average service provider, there's going to be hundreds of miles separating many of these nodes. And so you got to have, you know, your, your cellular backups and other things of that nature to, to get in there and undo the, the damage that's been done. I'll also say that I think that the complexity of the networks are changing too. I think that the enterprise networks are starting to become more complex. And so some of the things that made sense for the service providers early on are starting to bubble their way up and people are starting to see their value inside um, enterprise networks and things, you know, underlay overlay technologies when, you know, when suddenly an enterprise is suddenly saying, oh, wait, I want an MPLS tunnel that runs from this point to this point, and I want to be able to separate my traffic or things like that. It's, those are things that um, 10 years ago, very, very few of the enterprises ever thought about or even cared about. And now they're starting to get a number of people that are in the industry that understand those pieces and um, are starting to help their respective enterprises use them properly and well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I just want to say, like, enterprise networks are, are, because, are becoming more complex because most enterprises that probably, like, you know, implementing IoTs and whatnot, so the, the network is, is just getting more larger. So probably automation is just, um, you know, approaching there and it's just next. So it's interesting that you guys say that, that things are, have become more complex because I know that one of the, the drives that we've seen is trying to extract that complexity away from the network. But John, a, a point that you made was the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't a whole lot of people who were talking about this. And I think what's interesting is that the drive that we've seen from a lot of the super large enterprises, the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Googles, has effectively been to turn your enterprise into a, a service provider, except you're not providing a transit service for, you know, residential users to get to um, Netflix, you're providing a transit service for your customers, your users to be able to access things in the cloud. And I think that cloud networking has or cloud adoption has driven a lot of this specifically. So I guess the question would be, do you think that the the way that Facebook has effectively tried to take this bull by the horns and say, yeah, your enterprise network is really just a, a disparate kind of service provider, has that driven people in those enterprises to look at the way that they provide networking services differently and adopt things like automation? Well, I think the, you know, the the two, there's two drivers, I think, on the on the enterprise side. The a large enterprise I worked with before joining the service provider had made that transition you just mentioned. They treated their network as if they were a service provider. They went MPLS uh, 
on the on the whole network and end-to-end -end circuits. And that was driven be for them because um, they were deploying more and more applications out of their dual data center uh, operations. And I think you see that in the data center networks for a lot of large enterprises where there's a desire to have more applications more quickly uh, as, as the agile programming environment has been kicking in over the last 15 years. And because of that agile programming delivery in both data centers and now cloud, uh, that is the, the thing that requires the networks be flexible the way service provider networks are flexible in turning up circuits and doing end-to-ends and the overlay-underlay structure that, that that's being adopted. And because they're treating their networks like service providers, they're like, hey, they're discovering the same thing service providers have been doing for a long time. And so if you're going to do the same thing over and over again, you want to automate it so that you don't have that random fifth command that got forgotten on this one node when you did this circuit so that it uh, drops yellow packets, but not, <laughs> not green ones. And odd things happen in the uh, in the network it's the consistency that this the automation provides it's the real benefit i'll jump in the consistency there is the key um once you start once you start running more than four or five routers in a network or you know have something a little more complex or um, those worlds you want to make sure every single one of those routers is effectively the same device no matter which one you plop down it should be acting the same way it should be working with everything the same way. The only difference is who are my adjacent neighbors and you know what are the what are the locally um, the locally programmed applications that I have next to me. You know, be that a is that an end customer that I'm, you know, transiting to the internet or is it, you know, a data center where we're doing all of our credit card processing. The the real answer is when we push packets, pushing packets is the same way every single time. As long as the pipes are big enough and you have low enough latency, you're just pushing things, you don't really care what the ends are. And a lot of the, a lot of the service writer, I mean, a lot of the uh, enterprise people are finally getting to that point where they say, oh, look at this, we need to do it this way. So one of the things that yeah. maybe we we're trying to, trying to address here is like we talk about service providers being this enormous kind of organization, like we mentioned Rogers Communications, and we think of like Level 3 or AT&T or Verizon or Orange or a whole bunch of these other things. But that's not always the case. Like my local service provider, one of them is an electrical company. Like, like they are providing fiber to the home. And I know for a fact, they don't have a gigantic ID department of thousands, which makes me wonder, does this look the same from the low end, the, the, the small regional providers, the, you know, people serving Nigeria or New Mexico versus, oh, look, I'm level three, I have undersea cables that I have to monitor. Like, where, where does this change? Because just like all enterprises aren't the same size, I would guess that not all service providers are the same either. Well, that's, that's true. But I mean, I, I work for this, for DQE Communications out of Pittsburgh, and um, we're talking thousands only thousands of nodes and hundreds of customers, but still, you know, it was very, very early in the um, organization's path that automation kicked in because it does not take long before you realize when you're, even when you're installing at a low level, you know, you're installing three to five um, new devices a week. All it takes is typos in just small sections of commands and then odd things happen on circuits in your network. 
And that just balloons until the point that you realize that you have to have an automation to consistently create those new devices you're deploying as um, as John mentioned, that, it, that are the same everywhere except for their neighbors. Because when you're missing those random commands, then random errors occur. Uh, and even in a small service provider, you know, that's, you know, within, I'd say the first three years of the journey, you're doing some kind of automation to make sure things uh, are consistent and deployed well across the board. I'm not sure if your experience is similar in New Mexico. I've, I've always found that, you know, the smaller places that the, the automation you end up with is generally um, scripting of some type, you know, Python or Perl or Bash or whatever you want to do that's actually templating things. And, you know, you might seed it with a couple of variables up front with, you know, a loopback address or, you know, a few things like that. And then something kicks something out that you cut and paste into, you know, the, the machine you're using, whatever you're working with, maybe at the CLI at that point. But it is still automation because you're not the one generating the commands from your brain to your fingers. You're just cutting and pasting something that you have tested and worked with. And as you get as you get bigger, that doesn't scale as quickly. You might you might need to start putting things into a database and dumping them through you know Jenja or something else in order to um, get these templates a little more automated. And I think that that's that's the kind of scale you typically kind of run through. And it doesn't really matter if it's an enterprise or a service provider at that point because the enterprise people that are good at this are also doing these templates. They're also doing all these things. It's just a matter of how you view some of the endpoints and you know and what scale you're at i mean you look at facebook their scale is immense i mean when you when you're actually using more of your network to transfer data in between data centers than you are to and from the internet there's a little different view of the world there charles is that how it looks to you because i mean obviously we have a very u.s centric way of looking at things but i know that it can look very different for a lot of other people in places that are not pittsburgh or new mexico so for me, I haven't really played with devices. I've mostly just been doing measurements from face routes. But I'm curious what John said here. Yeah? He was like, you said the smaller ISPs, they mostly just do like scripting to automate the, the devices. Then you were like, when you, as you go larger, you have to do like some templating and put yourself in databases, you know? So like, I'm, I'm curious how, how they differ. I don't know that I can actually answer that. I've not, I have never actually worked in the larger provider space where a lot of those tools get uh, put together well. I just have worked with enough friends and folks that I understand them well and I've played with the tools in the side, trying to decide whether they were appropriate for what I was working with. Generally, I found, you know, once, once you get to the, once you get over a couple thousand customers, it's really important. But we also have, a number of things that are starting to show up for even the smaller enterprises and smaller ISPs that people are selling gear now that includes that environment. Um, you know, a lot of the, there's a lot of WISPs that are using ubiquity equipment that has that type of um, environment in there. Um, I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones, there's a lot of people that are, you know, putting things together right now that allow you to amplify your role as a network engineer or even as the owner of the company of trying to learn all of these things. 
Um, it, it's quite amazing to me to watch what's happened in the last 10, 15 years on the automation side that was originally driven out of these large scale cloud providers that were doing things because they had tens of thousands of nodes that they needed to be spun up in the same way, aside from who their neighbors were. And they had smart people that built some tools and they're not you know, nobody uses, not all people use the same tools. There's a whole set of different tools. You, the goal of whoever's putting one of these together is to go sit down and go play with the tools and go see what which one works for them. But in the long run, the real goal is make your network stable. Whether you're a service provider, enterprise, um, you know, large cloud provider, you need, you need to have that control. And those are the tools you have to go build and bring. And you might as well use the ones other people have built. So I would be remiss here if I didn't talk about a very large software-sized elephant in the room. And, and I'm going to refer back to one of the most famous quotes from George Santayana, um, those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. Well, in the enterprise, we've never repeated history when it comes to automation because, again, it's brand new. It's only been around for four years, right? But along with that comes this magical thing called AI. So it's not just a fact that I can automate my network, it's that I can automate it without needing to think about it. So now I have this magical tool that sits here and says, oh, here's all of your problems. And if you just configure this timer a little bit differently, everything will work out just great. And if you thought network engineers were hesitant to uh, incorporate automation into their system, wait until the automation is something else that they don't trust telling them what to fix. And you can kind of see that hesitation. And I know that, like we've discussed already, service providers tend to be really, really high on that scale of don't wreck things. It needs to be stable. So do you feel like, even though you guys have been doing automation and leading the way in it for so long, that AI is eventually going to creep in there just like it has been in the enterprise? Yeah, I, I, it, it will, but it'll be slowly because the first level of the, the machine learning that goes on is 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 things that it, you can reliably correlate and, and predict. And I think a number of companies are doing a good job on, on those things. Um, you know, noticing missing VLANs on connecting ports, noticing, you know, misconfigurations that are, um, that are easy to see when you have the, the big picture and the, and the data in one place. Uh, and, and I think those types of things will, will will come quickly where where it gets trickier though is those those higher level um larger problems um you know the, those i don't think they'll be ready to hand over to uh 100 automation and and most of the tools are built that way i mean they they allow you to say yes these are the kinds of changes that you can make automatically and these are the changes that require a human to to say yay or nay um, to go ahead and do the remediation. Kind of similar to the security space in that way too, where things are just too complex to, to be 100% clear. I mean, my, my classic example of that is my, my current account in uh, Microsoft uh, Office 365 for email is constantly helpfully asking if it can translate all the English into French for me, because for some reason it thinks I'm a French. When, when you say higher level problems will be left to air, what, what, what are those like higher level problems you're referring to in like an ISP space? Well, probably something that's causing, um, you know, like a, a missing a missing VLAN is going to be, uh, you know, the things that are detected 
for you know access points and ramp. I mean, that's going to be a small failure domain. Um, but a you know a regional outage, you know, is AI going to be able to accurately say, you know, when I have a large regional outage, this is really the cause, and I'm going to go ahead and reconfigure the core routers to work around this thing. You know, I I don't think. And he's, the service provider I work for would be ready to hand that over to an automated change, um, but something that's that's wrong on a you know on an end node in a single building that's uh, you know causing low level outages you know those are going to be automated and fixed. Yeah, the automation side of that, I you know, the AI side of it, I'm I would be happy if we just got a better cadre of network engineers out there who actually understood layers one, two, and three a lot better. Um, there, are there are entirely too many people that come running up and saying, oh, well, you're blocking our IPs. And it's like, well, what, what do you mean? What is that? What, what are you actually saying here? And the answer is, is they've not worked long enough. So they don't understand what problem they're seeing. So they're throwing out something that somebody said at one point. Um, and that's that's not bad. I mean, they, they, everybody has to learn through this. You know, you've always got a learning curve to run through, but it's the people that say the same types of things over and over again that are still employed and are not helpful to the industry. And um, we've all run into that person. And I've been that person probably at different times for different layers of this. So the real question is, how do you sit down and learn this stuff? And And if you know how to learn it, how can you help the AI learn? To be able to figure out where that next problem is and i don't have that answer that's why i'm hoping there's a bunch of really smart people coming up right behind us that are going to take care of it for us no i i absolutely agree and i think that there's a lot of really smart people that are working on this problem and they're you know looking at it from a very different perspective but i think that what's important is that they need to understand that not all problems are enterprise problems that there's a lot of other things that kind of go on in the background that need to be adjusted and and looked at and you know if you know how many times as engineers have we said if it ain't broke don't fix it so if you as a service provider person could sit down with the people who are making automation tools today of any size and share one piece of information that you think is absolutely critical for them to understand about how to make automation better not just in the enterprise but in the service provider space what would you say to them I would tell them that they really need to understand that very simple layer one, two, three piece that we were just talking about, because there are entirely too many people that are running around trying to build um, tools. And there's a lot of tools that are really useful, but they start falling apart on the networking side because the people that built the tools didn't understand what was underneath them. And uh, now I'm going to ramble here, but that's... <laughs> We start running off in that direction way, you know, I'm like running into Docker. How many people have sat there and tried to, you know, how, how do you plumb something into Docker? And the real answer is, is you, you don't, it wasn't built for that. It was built to do some software pieces. It wasn't really built to do networking pieces. That's okay. It'll fix, it'll get fixed and it'll do a lot better over the years, but it wasn't built that way. So if you're going to try and build network automation tools, you should really understand the underlying network pieces. And that's why we need lots and more um, software people joining the networking ranks. The, the bigger, biggest problems I think that, that AI could help with in the, in the service provider space is gonna be with the, the monitoring and response uh, folks rather than the, the upfront automation side. 
because uh, in a in a complex network, even a even a regional service provider, you've got a thousand uh, or more devices out there. So when something physical happens, you know, correlating the the fiber cut that affects twenty random nodes <laughs> to be in a specific place requires a a lot of correlation to be done and understanding that combination. Um, that John just referenced of well here one two and three is is critical to that and and understanding also that there's a separation between the underlay and the overlay um, and doing that but I think automation uh, AI is going to help the most in that that type of troubleshooting areas rather than in the initial deploy I mean the deploy problem I think is largely solved in the uh, with standard automation, it doesn't need intelligence. I mean, it, it's a it's a solved problem. Yeah, personally for me, I would say like as more um, software folks who properly understand like this network, you know, layers, as they go come into the space more, they would you know understand the whole. Uh, would know how to like write better scripts for to train the AI. Yes. All right, as you can see. Service providers have done a really great job over the years of providing the kind of tools that enable them to have more reliable networks that service a variety of customers and enable a lot of things that we effectively take for granted. However, a lot of that cross-pollination has started flowing into the enterprise and a lot of people are asking questions like, you know, why haven't we had this for so long? But as we try to adapt those strategies for those kinds of networks to our ever-changing environment, there's going to be friction. And with the land rush of technologies that we're trying to uncover, we are slowly learning that there are certain things that maybe don't fit as well as we might like. But that also means that we need to take a hard look at the way that service providers do their automation and make sure that we're not sending some of these bad ideas to where they are, because the less stable that we can, uh, the less stable our service providers are, their transit networks, the worse things are going to be. Um, and I hope that this allows us to grow and and take the best of what we have available to make the world a better place for all networkers, enterprise or service provider. That'll just about do it for this episode of the on-premise IT roundtable. I want to thank our guests for joining us. As a reminder, you can always find the latest podcast at our website, gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to us in your favorite application of choice to listen to podcasts. If you uh, follow us on Apple iTunes, we'd love it if you'd give us a rating and a review. Let everybody know what we're all about here, that we are on-premise and uh, that we talk about enterprise and uh, other forms of IT tech. Uh, we will be back with you in another episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, thank you very much for tuning in, and we look forward to our next opportunity to share a premise with you.